0: Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Therefore be ye followers of God, as dear children.
1: Welcome to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day, word for word, from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed.
2: Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We have been studying through Ephesians chapter 4, and in this lesson, verses 30 through 32, we will finish up chapter 4. The Apostle Paul gives us three admonitions relating to one's attitudes and words, both toward the Holy Spirit and to one another. He calls for the kind of forgiveness that God extends to us in Christ. It is the graced kind of forgiveness. This is the kind of forgiveness that both God shows us and the kind that we know the Savior can extend to others in kindness and tenderheartedness. Well, Dr. Mitchell also gives exhortations concerning our heart's relationship to the Lord and to others. He points out how this kind of love is so needful in our relationships to one another and in our churches. Well, let's pray that the grace of God will fill our hearts and our words. Well, here is Dr. Mitchell, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30.
0: Good day, friends. We again come to you with studies in Paul's prison epistles. We are in the book of Ephesians, and we're in chapter four. In our past two lessons, we have been dealing uh, with a division from verse 17 to the end of the chapter where the appall is exhorting us to walk in the light of a new creation, having a new life in Christ, partakers of an entirely different nature to what we had when we were born into the world. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And in this passage, we were dealing, first of all, with the, how the unregenerate walk, how the unsaved man walk. And then what the believer should do as a new man in Christ. And may I remind you again that when a person is saved, that is when a person comes into right relationship with Jesus Christ, as Savior, uh, we become partakers of a new nature which is created in righteousness and true holiness. And this being a new nature, then we ought to show forth something of that new nature, which is righteousness and holiness. Don't be afraid of those two words. The very heart of the character of God is righteousness and holiness. And if we are claimed to be the children of God, then there should be manifest in our lives something of that new nature. And we've been dealing with this in our last two lessons. And we're we'll right on down through to verse 30 of chapter four. Now, remember, he is telling us what we should do, and what we should not do as children of God. For example, we are not to we are to put away lying, we are to speak the truth because we belong to each other. We are to control our tempers and not allow it to go on so that it becomes sin and opens a place for Satan to have a place in your life. And quit your stealing and get a job so you'll be able to be generous with somebody else. So gives you the opportunity of, of giving to someone else. And then we have this question, uh, In verses 29 and verse 31, we take our speech, our very language ought to be such that will glorify God. And then in verse 31, an amazing verse, to put away certain things. And when one reads them, you begin to wonder, are these manifest among Christians? I'm sorry to say yes. In fact, it is these things that hinder the unsaved coming to the gospel, coming to the Savior. Why well, I see these things in Christians, they know better than I am. They live their lives, they're no better than my life. Why should I accept of the Savior? So he says, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking. Put away from you with all malice. Or changing the words. Uh, don't get sour. And don't be resentful. Don't be filled with hostility to others. And I've seen this. I've seen Christians hostile to other Christians because they didn't cross their teeth just the way they did and and put away all scolding and brawling and uh, slandering others, evil-speaking, blasphemy, and don't have a vicious disposition. There are some full of malice. They never get along with anybody. You begin to wonder about it. Now let me take up the other side of the question. I don't want to spend too much time on these other things, but nevertheless, they're in the book. But look at verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Therefore be ye followers of God as dear children. My, what a statement. Now, let me look at this for a moment. These things in verses 25 through 29 and verse 31, these are the things that grieve the Spirit of God. May I remind you of Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. The flesh desireth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. You see, friend, And I'm talking to you Christians, especially in this passage. God has a purpose and a will for your life and my life. When the Lord Jesus redeemed you and forgave you every trespass and brought you into the family of God, he had a distinct purpose in doing that. And he's left you and me on earth for a purpose. I want to get this very clear to your mind. I've oftentimes wondered why, He is a very fine young man, Christian. He really loves the Savior. And first thing you know, he's gone home to glory. Why didn't the Lord leave him here? I don't know. And why does he leave some folk like you and me here for a long time? Ornery and what have you. And he leaves us down here because he's got a purpose. God God always does the right thing. God is righteous. He never does anything that isn't right. I may not understand all his purpose or his will for my life or your life, but I know the very fact that we're down here. He's got a purpose. And these things, for example, which we've been discussing about lying and being angry and and stealing and working and corrupt communication and bitterness and all malice and so on, these are the things in our lives that hinder the purpose of God for us and through us. I'm sure if I were to talk to you personally, face-to-face, individually, you would, you would confess to me you want the will of God, the purpose of God, to be wrought out in your life, as I want his purpose to be wrought out in my life. And these things of which we've been speaking are the things which hinder. But you and I walk in the lusts and desires of the flesh, the chances are we are hindering the purpose of God being consummated in us. We hinder the will of God being wrought out in our lives. So Paul says in verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit. These are the things that grieve the Spirit of God, breaks our fellowship, hinders our testimony, and grieves God. He still loves you. He still loves you with a perfect everlasting love, but he can be grieved. And so we have here, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Now, you remember we had this in the first chapter. In chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, remember that chapter in the first chapter from verse 3 on down to 14, where we have the work of the Father in our redemption and the work of the Son in our redemption and the work of the Spirit in our redemption. And the work of the Spirit was we were sealed until the day of redemption. We were sealed in Christ until the day when we shall be transformed and be just like our Savior. Remember, there are three passages on this, in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. On believing you were sealed, something that took place the moment you and I accepted the Savior, were put in Christ and sealed in Christ until the day of redemption. You see, the Lord purchased us, the Spirit of God sealed us, and we're in the will call department waiting for him to call us home. See, that, that's one certain thing. Even though I may not live as I ought to live, even though I, the purpose of God is being thwarted in my life and your life, nevertheless, we know the end. We're going to be in his presence. And I want to meet him face to face with a heart in fellowship with him. Don't you? Don't you? Do you remember First John 2, 28? And now, little children, abide in him so that when he shall appear, we be of confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Sometimes I wonder about that ver- those verses in Revelation. He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I wonder if some of the saints, when they remember how unfaithful they have been to the Lord, and when they see his wonderful love and grace and compassion and tenderness, they'll break down and wait. I don't know. I'm just saying that. I do know that the Spirit of God can be grieved. I know the heart of God can be grieved for these people. God forbid that you and I should grieve the precious Savior who gave his life for us. Forbid that we should grieve the Spirit of God who has sealed us until the day of redemption. Now, of course, this speaks of assurance. What about this day of redemption? How long are we sailed until the day of redemption? In Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25, that amazing passage of Scripture where Paul says, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Then he goes on to speak of the whole creation groaning and travailing in pain. What are they waiting for? Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting. Did you ever stop to think, Christian friend, at the whole creation, the animal creation, the earth itself, the very universe is waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. When the sons of God are going to be an exhibition, when God is going to say, these are my children. Or as Hebrews chapter 2 in our Lord says, I and the children which God hath given me and were sealed until that day. And as Paul goes on to say in that passage, not only they wait, but we wait. What for? For the redemption of the body. A day when our bodies are going to be redeemed. In First Peter chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, we're the same thing where Peter, you remember, says, We have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, and is reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I thought we were saved. Well, we are saved from the penalty and power of sin. We are being saved daily from the power of sin in our lives. We're going to be saved one of these days from the presence of sin. We're going to go right into the very presence of God when these very bodies, these frail bodies, are going to be changed you see, I am saved, I am redeemed, but my body in which I live is still not redeemed. It's frail, it has weaknesses, it has failures. If the Lord should tarry, it's going back to dust. But we have hope, hope guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we are sealed until the day of redemption unto a salvation, as Peter says, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Same thing in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, where Paul says, It is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. High time to throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We're children of the day, not children of the night. And then in Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 to 24, where Paul makes that amazing statement, Now the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole being, spirit, soul, body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You see, we're being kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation yet to be revealed in the last time. When these frail bodies of ours are going to be transformed. Now it's rather remarkable that Paul should put this right here in this passage, which is dealing with the things we should put off. He's been dealing with the life of the unsaved. He's been dealing with the things that break the fellowship of God's people with their Savior. He's been dealing with the things that uh, characterize the old man. Then pleads with us that we're new men and new women in Christ, and were sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And because this is true, He asks us not to grieve the Spirit of God. And these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, karma, evil speaking, malice, corrupt communication, stealing, losing your temper, lying, all these things grieve the Spirit of God. Again, may I say, if I'm talking to any today who are Christians, and you're out of fellowship with the Lord Jesus, and you know what? You don't have to be told this. You know you're out of fellowship with the Lord. Why don't you get down and confess your sin before Him? And He's promised us that He will not only forgive you, but will cleanse you and will give you the strength to live for God. Oh, that we Christians, how we rob ourselves of the of the treasures that God has for us even today. That we can live and Enjoy things because of our riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Dear, dear Christian friend, I plead with you today in view of the day in which we live. Don't sit in judgment upon God's people. But examine your own heart. Are you in fellowship with the Lord? It's so easy to judge the other Christian in the light of our conscience. and We shouldn't do that. I hope I'm saying just what. I ought to say about this. But you know, my heart bleeds for our young people because sometimes these older Christians will damn them and judge them and everything else. I wish you had some compassion and tenderness for them, some understanding of our young people in the day in which we live. I'm telling you, my friend, conditions are such that we need to pray continually for our young people. You fathers and mothers ought not to let a day go by when you pray for your young people, pray for your children. And just surround them with love and understanding and care because they're in a world that would seek at every opportunity to turn them away from the Savior and cause them to live in the lust of the flesh. If I'm talking to many of you young people today and you've strayed away from the Lord, the Lord just waiting. He still loves you. He still loves you. You come back and confess your sin and start to walk with God. Be a man, be a woman of God. I just suggest this to you because the Spirit of God can be easily grieved. Now, what are the things God wants us to do? Now, let's finish the chapter in verse 32. What are the things that he wants us to do? Now, listen to it. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye kind one to another. These are the things, by the way, in this verse that that delights the heart of God. Do not be rude. Be kind. won't cost you anything to be kind, will it? Don't be censorious. Be kind. Oh, God, give us Christians who are kind. Kind people. My, what, a, what a, an adjective to use with some people. They're kind. They're kind. They're understanding. They don't sit like judges. They don't sit like policemen. They're kind. They understand. May the Lord fill us with kindness. And then he goes on to say, and be tender hearted with each other. Tender hearted. <laughs> oh, God, give us tender hearts. It's so easy to be hard boiled, isn't it? It's so easy to be cold and indifferent. May God give us tender hearts. You know, I can't help but think of John chapter 11. When Lazarus had died, how the Lord Jesus stood by the side of Mary and Martha and wept with them, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He didn't say to these two girls, now wipe away your tears, I'm going to give you Lazarus back again. No, 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 no. He stood by them. He took the time out. He was tender-hearted. He wept with Mary and with Martha and with the Jews. Oh, God, deliver us from cold, hard hearts. God make us Christians tender-hearted. Give us understanding hearts. And then he goes on to say forgiving one another. How much? Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. How much do you expect the Lord to forgive you? Oh, you say, every time, every time I sin and confess it, he forgives me. Yes, do the same thing with your brother, will you? With your sister? With your family? But the people of God, you know, do you know, this, this is so needful in every Christian church. When I think of the splits and the, and the undercurrents, oh, the need to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You know what we generally say? Well, yes, I'll forgive them. You can tell by your voice there's not much love there. I'll forgive them. But believe me, it'll never happen again. And I'll not forget it as long as I live. Does that sound like the voice of Jesus? And the very next verse says, Be ye followers of God, as dear children, as the children of God. That is, be imitators of God. Look at Jesus when he walked among men. Read the gospel through Luke. He stood in the midst of sinners. And the religious folks said he's a friend of publicans and sinners. He could say to the woman who was caught in adultery, neither do I condemn thee. Now the Lord the Lord didn't uh, okay her sin. But you see, these came with censorious spirits. Instead of winning the woman for God, they were driving her away from the things of God. And when Jesus said, let him that is without a stone be the first to cast a stone at her. Without sin be the first to cast a stone at her. They all beat it except the woman. And if none is here to condemn you, if none is here to bear witness, then there's no case. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The Lord, the Lord didn't uh, okay her sin. But he had a heart for this dear woman. What she needed was not a censorious spirit, what she needed was some love, some forgiveness, some understanding, some tenderness, some compassion. My Christian friend, this is one of the greatest needs today among God's people. I don't know what church you belong to, it's neither here nor there. If you meet with God's people, manifest something of the graciousness and the tenderness and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and grieve not the spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. And be ye imitators, followers of God, as dear children. How would God deal with them? And you deal with them the same way. This will fill you with joy, you'll grow. Don't be petty, don't be petty. Be gracious, be tender, be filled with loving kindness and forgiveness. Oh, the blessing you'll bring to a great many hearts if you live just that way. Now the Lord bless you today, and may he speak to your heart for his name's sake.
3: In my darkness Jesus found me Touched my eyes and made me see Broke since chains that long had bound me, brought me life and liberty Oh, glorious love of Christ my Lord divine that made him stoop to save a soul like mine through all my days and then in heaven above.